Hello, and welcome to episode 73 of the Medical Device Success Podcast and Videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host. Thank you very much for listening in or viewing today. I really appreciate your support. Today's episode is Strategic Planning Part 2, where we will focus on how to create strategies and tactics that support a company's or a function's or an individual's key goals and objectives. Why is this important? Why not stop at some broad objectives for the year and consider your plan done? I will answer this with a quote from a Harvard survey, beginning of the quote, employees at three out of every five companies rated their organization weak at execution, dot, 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 end quote. This was one result of the Harvard assessment of employees from over 1,000 companies, governments, and not-for-profit organizations. The Harvard assessment resulted in 17 traits of organizational effectiveness, where the number one trait was, everyone has a good idea of the decisions and actions for which he or she is responsible. Now, this can be achieved when there is a plan with clear strategies and supporting tactics. It is at the tactical level that people find their accountability. Teams love accountability, especially when they see how it supports a plan. It is even more effective when employees take part in creating the strategic plan and they own it. Now, if you are new to the podcast and thinking, hey, where do I find part one? Not to worry, part one was episode 71, two episodes ago, and you can find it in the podcast list at the Medical Device Success website, which is medicaldevicesuccess.com. Members of the MedTech Leaders community will also find a copy of the slides for both episodes in the strategic and tactical planning topic area, along with the podcasts and videocasts. Now, you can learn more about the MedTech Leaders community at medtechleaders.net. Again, that's medtechleaders.net. It costs the equivalent of about four good cups of coffee annually, and there is a free trial. On another note, I spent a couple days as a patient in the brand new Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania last week. What an impressive facility. The patient rooms had the best view of the city of Philadelphia, and they were full of advanced technology, including an 80-inch screen, piezoelectric windows to the hallway that you could shade with the click of a switch, and iPads for the patients. The door to the room has detectors that can detect that can detect the ID of the badge of the healthcare professional entering the room, and bingo, their image and title pops up on the side of this huge screen. Now, I had a procedure done, so I got to see the inside of a procedure room before they knocked me out. Again, super impressive room with large video screens on three walls and another large screen in closer to the procedure team. My friends at the Explorer Surgical would love this and also the folks at Proximy, but this place was set up for a really effective information technology. 
Of course, being surrounded by all these medical devices made me very happy. Now, most impressive of all were the healthcare professionals that staffed this hospital. They were super professional and patient-friendly. You could tell they were well-trained and they had a great attitude despite the pressures of the pandemic. It was an inspiring experience. Okay, now time to get to the slides and to share these with you. So I'm gonna share my screen and here we go. Okay, strategic plan part two. You'll notice I didn't have a musical interlude this time. <laughs> I just wanted to get right down to business and I hope you don't mind. So first we start with that quote that I started episode 71 with, which is a goal without a plan is just a wish from Anton de Saint-Exupéry, who was an aviator and writer. And I um, apologize if I butchered his name, a famous French guy. So strategic planning is effective in numerous situations. So these first few slides are a repeat of episode 71, just to set us up for strategies and tactics. Again, this slide, strategic plans are effective in numerous situations. So it's your personal plan, or it's a personal business or career plan. For example, a strategic territory plan, or it could be a company-wide strategic plan, or it could be a functional strategic plan. For example, a strategic research and development plan. Perhaps the company is not greatly involved in strategic planning, but as a functional leader, you want to have a strategic plan for your particular function. And I did this once at a company. They had an operating plan, which was great for manufacturing and for some of the other functions, but it really didn't address what we were trying to achieve in marketing and sales. So we developed our own strategic marketing and sales plan, and everybody really enjoyed it. Employees like to know there is a plan and where they fit into it. It is good for morale and productivity, especially when they participate in developing the plan. Let them have some ownership. To so the next slide, which are the elements of a strategic plan? And we went through the first few bullets in detail in episode 71, which were the best way to create a strategic plan, assumptions, and SWOT analysis, and then key goals and objectives. And a SWOT analysis, again, is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And today we're focusing on the last bullets, which are key strategies and supporting tactics, and then applying the plan to headcount and budget. But we start with key goals and objectives. We'll get there in another slide or two, because really strategies and tactics support the key goals and objectives. So I just want to make sure we tie them together correctly. You know, once you've done the SWOT analysis and you've gone through your assumptions, you end up with some information and some thoughts on opportunities and gaps. So you can have gaps and opportunities. You can have gaps that are created by weaknesses. So you want to prioritize these opportunities because they may become a key goal or objective. And you want to assess if you have the resources to execute on these particular opportunities. And then you need to consider adding to the key goals and objectives what you have just done by in this prioritization process of, uh, of opportunities. Now, you get these gaps that are also created by weaknesses and threats. And so again, you need to prioritize according to how much they may interfere with key goals and objectives. And then what do you need to do to overcome them? Because these could become key 
strategies and tactics to help protect the company and help you reach your opportunities. And then in key goals and objectives, the things you want to consider is they should be straightforward and quantifiable. And examples could be revenue, growth, market share, could be database size uh, and quality. It could be regulatory clearance, uh, key personnel hires, funding. Um, in this day and age, it could be your um, supply chain and so on. So those are things you want to consider in key goals and objectives. And each function is going to bring sort of unique key goals and objectives to the table when you bring all the functions together if you're doing a company-wide plan. So let's look at examples of some of these key goals and objectives. So company-wide, we just mentioned it. It could be revenue. That's a company-wide um, goal. Marketing and sales may have a few. It could be a percentage increase in qualified leads. It could be creating a demand generation system of digital marketing, website, marketing automation, and CRM all linked together. Um, perhaps it's increasing customer success. Frequently, uh, customer success reports into marketing and sales. And you want to increase that by X percent. And you, can, you could do that by taking some surveys because su customer success leads to more sales, referrals, and so on and so forth. On the human resources side, it could be that you need to revise compensation to better compete with the market. And um, a good example is the episode I did a number of weeks ago with Paula Rutledge and Chris Miklo of Legacy MedSearch, where we talked about how it is a candidate's market right now, and people are getting recruited aggressively because there aren't enough really good leaders and good performers in med tech. And you don't want to be subject to that. So your HR department needs to keep an eye on that. Research and development, add a key feature. Maybe that's required to help make a product more competitive. On the regulatory side, a key goal could be to expand claims. Um, maybe you need a small, short clinical study that would help you justify some additional claims for your product that would make it more competitive. Sure, the product can do it right now, and it can be used off-label, but having it on-label would just make it much more powerful. Manufacturing, I mentioned a minute ago, supply chain issues could be key goals and objectives, could be improving quality. Now, yeah, that's on the quality side, but sometimes, you know, the manufacturing people have to execute that to, to achieve the quality um, and, and so on. So those are some exa examples of what uh, companies and or functions would want to consider in their own strategic plan. And then if it's personal, the key goals and objectives could be one, one could be to increase income. Maybe you want to overachieve sales plan to, to increase your income, or you want to have a career change that results in a higher salary and or bonuses, or you want to make career progress. That's another one. So to do that, you need to get a promotion. Um, you need to learn new sales and communication techniques or you need some additional professional education for that career progress. The next bullet is personal financial progress. Maybe you want to invest 15% of your income all year long or 10%. And that's going to be a strategies and set of tactics you're going to follow to achieve that. And you need to review your investment strategy. Or perhaps then the next bullet is your energy level. Do you need to lose weight or do you need to make time for fitness? 
So that's a way you could look at key goals and objectives from a personal standpoint in terms of strategic uh, or goals and objectives that you're going to support with strategies and tactics. So now we're starting to move into the strategies and tactics. So in this slide, I start off with a quote from the Chinese military strategist Sun Tzu in The Art of War. And he says, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And I think you would probably all agree with me on that, and you've probably seen this happen. So a strategy is a broad statement of intent of how you will achieve one or more of your key goals or objectives. And a tactic is a specific and measurable action that supports the efforts to implement the strategy. And so a strategy might have one tactic, tactic, or it could have 10. And sometimes they almost sound like they're the same thing, strategies and tactics, but you really want to try to keep them separate. So one dangerous area in terms of strategies and tactics, and this is the next slide, is what I call assumed strategies and tactics. They're okay to a degree because there are some things you know you have to do day in and day out to run a company. And you could define those in strategies and tactics, but you can also sort of assume that they're there. But they can be deceptive, expensive, and nonproductive if you're not careful. And a great example is trade show exhibitions. You assume it's a strategy and supporting tactics because you go every year and you assume that you're going to continue to do it, perhaps without considering changes. Meanwhile, consider this, that trade show attendance is down. Virtual exhibits have had terrible results. COVID variants create a lot of unpredictability in terms of attendance. And should you consider reducing the exhibit footprint and staff that you send? And then you could take that savings and invest it in other strategies and tactics. For example, virtual events, digital marketing, or inside sales to seek qualified leads, marketing automation. So that's just an example of trade shows. It seems to me that some companies just assume they're going, they sign up and they go, and they've wasted a lot of money. In this day and age of the pandemic and all the unpredictability, I would just be very careful with this. And a colleague of mine, Pat Cothy, had a really good podcast on how he made a decision to attend a trade show with his startup medical uh, device company and their newly launched product. And he walks through all his decision-making process in terms of of attending and then what the results were. His podcast is at Mastering Medical Device. It's Pat Cothy, K-O-T-H-E. He's the CEO of um, EM Device Labs, and um, that that podcast is actually very interesting to listen to. So now let's go to example one of strategies and tactics. And so let's say the goal is increased number of accounts because the gap is the weakness or threat of negative trends in traditional lead sources of field prospecting and trade shows. You don't have the access that you used to have to prospects, people that you don't really know that well. 
So the strategy could be to implement a plan to increase actionable leads by 20% through the utilization of social media. If you can't get to them through field uh, prospecting or trade shows, why not try another avenue? Social media might work. And it's been proven to work. As those of you learned in the podcast I did with Scott Alexander of Gyrus Micromarketing. So that's the strategy. But what would the tactics be? So in a tactic, you want to have a date. Now, in this slide, I'm just using a general period of Q1 for quarter one. But you could have a specific date if you wanted. And that, so in Q1, perhaps you want to select a social media vendor and agree to a social media plan. Now, you could make tactics of tactics. So this tactic could have several steps underneath it, action points that have to occur to achieve the tactic overall. The second tactic in Q1 would be to set up marketing automation to identify the leads and move them to the CRM. So once that social media plan is going, you want to capture them, make sure a system is set up to capture them, and you need to set up this marketing automation to do so. Now in Q2, it could be that the the tactic is to implement the pilot social media campaign with A-B tests and assess the results. Now, for those of you that don't know what an A-B test is, that means you are perhaps testing two different messages to a small segment of your target market to see which message gets the greatest response. And then we move on to the next tactic, which is launch a broad campaign after review of the pilot and tuning the messaging. So you've tuned the messaging after the A-B tests. And again, in Q2, the final tactic could be measure the lead follow-up quality and return on investment. So those are examples of tactics that would support that strategy. And again, you could have specific, more specific dates than just Q1 or Q2. So that's example number one. Let's go to example number two. And it could be that this is the goal is to reach X percent of revenue from corporate slash government accounts. But your weakness is that your percentage of contract sales is far less than industry standards. You've learned from your field reps and from other people in the industry, just some networking and some conversations that your percentage of contract sales is less than industry standards. That's a really big weakness. So what are you going to do about it? All right, we'll have a strategy. Invest in a program to better understand corporate accounts and improve reach and promotion of products within the same. It could be that you just don't understand the corporate account programming very well. And because of that, you're not executing. So you're going to, so the tactics could be in Q1, and all these could, I think, could occur in one quarter if you were, you know, putting some elbow grease to it. You want to hire or reassign a sales executive to focus on corporate accounts. Why not reassign somebody? Maybe reassign an executive that has had some success with corporate accounts and utilize virtual selling techniques for the rest of the field team to make up for this executive's absence in his or her territory. Also in Q1, you get a consultant to help you audit the current program that you have and identify opportunities and educate your company about how the corporate 
in government account programs should work, along with this newly reassigned sales executive. The third tactic could be the consultant and this executive create tools to support the corporate account sales. And then finally, I shouldn't say finally, there's two more bullets, um, have an initial virtual face-to-face fact-finding with corporate accounts, debrief from this, and then respond. And then the last bullet is do some initial retraining and in-servicing because it's very likely that in these corporate accounts, with all the turnover they've had, your product may be on a shelf, it may be on a drawer, it may be in part of the operating room, but it might not be getting used as effectively or as frequently because new staff is coming in all the time and they don't know it's there, they don't know they should use it, or they don't, and they don't know that the company or the their the corporate hospital that they're in um, has a very special uh, program. A lot of corporate or commercial hospital accounts um, that are either IDNs or they're working with a GPO, they actually have programs where they will help a manufacturer optimize the education and information flow about their products to all the members of the GPO and or to all the departments, let's say, with an IDN. You just need to know how to do it and how to take advantage of it. You can't just get a contract and sit back and think, oh, I got a contract. The money's going to flow in. doesn't work that way. So that's why I use this as a particular example. Example number three of strategy and tactics is, let's say your goal is to launch a new ICU product and attain 100 accounts in the year. But your weakness is that you are a small three-product company with hybrid sales team of distributor managers and distributors. And by that, I mean, you have a couple distributor managers that are full-time employees of your company, and they, in turn, help manage and motivate the distributors that carry your product and rep it directly into the hospitals and or physician offices or clinics. But you can't afford full-time, this is also part of the weakness, is that you cannot afford full-time clinical application specialists that are required to assist with the training and installation. If you let your distributor managers do this, you're taking up all their time and they're not going to be selling. And meanwhile, your distributors are handling 100 other products or 1,000 other products, and they may not prioritize good, effective training and installation, despite what you provide them in terms of tools and, and, and training. So what's the strategy? How are you going to make up for this weakness? You could leverage a contract clinician deployment company to provide national training capabilities without the risk of employment and the high costs of travel. Yes, there are companies like this where you can work with this company and they have people in every city in the United States on a variety of healthcare professional levels, whether it's healthcare techs, RNs, um, they could be um, uh, nurse practitioners, doctors, and so on that can be trained virtually and they can go into their local hospitals and train on your behalf. And this will keep you from losing that sales process of getting products evaluated and or in-serviced as they are purchased and help move your 
sales curve forward. It helped compress the sales curve is what I should say. So again, that strategy, I'm just going to repeat it, is to leverage a contract clinician deployment company to provide national training capabilities without the risk of employment and high costs of travel. And by that, I mean, if you hired, let's say, three or four um, clinical application specialists, even if they were 1099 and you're relying on them alone, they're going to be flying all over the country. Huge expense and waste of time. All right. So the tactics to support the strategy would be in Q1, you're going to source and evaluate clinical deployment companies. Again, in Q1, next bullet, you'll contract a company and put together a training plan with supporting collateral and videos to support the training of these um, clinicians that you're going to use. Again, in Q1, you could test the program locally with safe customers. So use one of these clinicians and test it in a hospital nearby where you can directly observe what the results are going to be. And then you can fine tune it, fine tune what you've done. You can assess what worked well and what didn't work well. And then the last bullet I have, which again, I'm putting in Q1. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on you here to get a lot of things in one quarter <laughs> is to introduce the training program to distributors. So they have a way of knowing that they can work through your company to access these clinicians and help them increase the sales of your products. And if it goes well, let me tell you something, your distributors will be fired up because they will now have an additional tool that they can use to help them make money. And if they're making money, you're making money. So those are three examples of um, taking a strategy, looking at a goal, looking at a weakness, considering what the strategy is to address the weakness or the gap, and then the, what the tactics could be. And of course, the tactics continue to go beyond the examples that I gave you. You're going to have tactics every quarter related to this and or with specific dates. Now, example number four of strategies and tactics, this is more personal. So let's say the goal is to get promoted to a sales or marketing management position in 2022. But your weakness is a lack of understanding of departmental forecasting and budgeting. So your strategy would be to take the necessary courses and read necessary books to provide an understanding of these financial areas. And your tactics could be find a mentor in the company or outside for guidance. So somebody that has been a controller or a CFO, it could be in your company if you have a good relationship with the accounting department. Maybe you get your expense reports in on time and, and you don't fudge them. <laughs> Just a joke. But um, it could be somebody in the company or it could be somebody outside. Could even be maybe your financial advisor. You could ask another tactic could be that you could ask the company to invest in the finance course, or you could invest in one yourself. Now, a lot of times, even if your company doesn't have a formal program for helping employees with education, some small and medium-sized companies, if you approach them and say, look, I want to make progress in this company, but I need some additional skills and education, would you pay for this three-day weekend course? Um, they may say yes. And you can go ahead and add conditions like, you know, tell them that you want to take the course and if, and that you'll provide after the course, a plan of how you plan on using what you learned in your current role and any future roles. And you could also make the prog promise that 
if you leave the company within a year, you will reimburse the company for your course. So there's a lot of ways you can negotiate this. You could read two books, another tactic, read two books suggested by a mentor. And the final one I suggest here is, well, I've already said it, is that you would write a summary of what you have learned and how you'd apply it in a leadership role. So those are tactics that would support this strategy. And you could apply this to a lot of things when you're thinking about it. Maybe you want to be promoted into management and you'd, you'd like to have some additional management skills. There's lots of great management courses. They're not very expensive. Your company may pay for them. If not, it's a good investment to make in yourself. It will show up on your resume. And if your company is not willing to make that investment, maybe you move on and find a company that appreciates the investment you made in yourself. Okay. So strategic plan follow-up. Remember, on this slide, we're talking about a number of bullets, but the first one is that strategic plans are dynamic. They are subject to change as assumptions, the SWOT, or company goals change. Tactics are assigned to individuals. That's the second bullet. And you want to assign each tactic a budgetary amount. It could be dollars and or time required. And you load this into a spreadsheet that captures the tactical costs by the month you expect the cost to incur. And also, you do want to look at the time required to achieve or to execute some of these tactics, because does that time required indicate the need to hire additional personnel or contract out? You don't want a hundred great ideas and say you're going to execute them all, but they never get done because you don't have the people to do them or the money. Next bullet is create a calendar of strategic plan follow-up meetings on a monthly or quarterly basis and make it clear that individuals will be held accountable for their tactics. We just did a webinar the other day, and one of the poll questions was, did the company have follow-up, you know, regularly structured follow-up meetings regarding the strategic plan? And I think 50% said no. It blew me away, 50%. Um, well, it shouldn't because I've seen so many statistics about the failures of companies to execute strategic plans <clears throat> and their tactics. You want to employ a closed loop management system. And that's part of what I just said, making individuals accountable for what their, their tactic, accountable to the date. You want to have a closed loop where you're constantly following up on this through the strategic plan follow-up meetings and or one-on-one meetings. Again, then the final bullet is meet as planned, assess progress, and make changes if necessary. And here we are at the last slide, uh, which has a couple more points about strategic plan follow-up. And that is the comment I made earlier that you can have tactics within tactics. It's like, think about the tactics that you execute when you're getting dressed, you know, one tactic is putting on a shoe. Well, that can have several subtactics to it. Grab a shoehorn, you know, leverage your foot into the shoe with a shoehorn, you know, tie the, tie the shoelace, stand up and make sure the shoe feels proper. Those are three subtactics to putting a shoe on. So just keep that in mind. And those are actually very helpful because they give greater guidance to the people that actually have to execute these plans. And then the final bullet there is consider Omicron, the variant, 
It's not the last variant we're going to have. We're going to have more. And what that means in terms of contingency, contingency plans. So you might want to actually have a couple contingency plans in mind if something went really wrong in terms of the pandemic or something else that could affect your company. You know, how quickly can you put together um, the contingency uh, set of, you know, actions? You might want to have that in mind with your functional heads. And the final thing I'm going to say is get organized to win in 2020. You know, the year's coming up, whether it's a company plan, a functional plan, or your own personal strategic plan, get organized for 2022. Don't let the pandemic get in your way. There's lots of opportunity out there, and I know you can do it. So I hope these um, two episodes have been handy, and I'll try to get the video out as soon as I can. But again, MedTech leaders, community members will find the slides in the strategic and tactical planning topic area of the MedTech leaders community site. Okay, everybody. Now go win your week. Thank you.